You're exactly where you need to be. And you're listening to ADD Comedy with Dave Rizowski. Today's guests are practically comedy royalty. It's Deb LaCosta and Dan Castellaneta. Yep, I've known Deb and Dan since the early 80s when I was cast in a play Deb and Dan wrote for Chicago's Bailiwick Theater. Improvisationally, if that's a word. <laughs> Deb's performed with the great Spolden Players and the Second City Alumni Jam. I've performed with her many times over at the pier in Santa Monica there. Uh, Deb's written for The Simpsons, The Tracy Ullman Show, and co-wrote and performed in Deb and Dan's show with her collaborator, acting partner, and husband Dan Castellaneta of The Simpsons fame. I remember watching Dan perform at Second City ETC and felt so lucky when we could all play together out here in Los Angeles. We spoke about process, ambition, taking risks, and some great people we've worked with. We recorded our interview at the Fanatic Salon in LA's West Side. This is a good one. So on the way over here, and when I got really excited about this, to kind of walk down memory lane a little bit. I know. Right. <laughs> and We've known each other about, a long time. That's what I was thinking, so. too. I was thinking... Um, well, even before that. Right. At the, uh, 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 Cafe... The Ballywick. Um, was it Ballywick? I thought it was that thing upstairs. Upstairs, uh, yeah. Yeah. Theater, right? Right. That was right. an upstairs theater. No, it was upstairs at the Metro. Oh, it was upstairs at the Metro. It was upstairs at the Metro. I think you're right. It was. Yeah. And you were in a play about the statue. Right, the statue. Yeah. And what was the woman? I can't forget. She was a dancer. She was a dancer. It was really sexy. Yeah, yeah. It was a really sexy thing. She was a statue. And, and she, she was, was the statue. And I was the old man. You were the old man. And you were man. the old man. In a mask. In a mask. In yeah. a mask. And then... And her space work and was, was great. Yeah. Oh, I, that was such a fun thing to do. I mean, it was... It was a silent piece. And you guys, I can't remember, how much do you remember about that? I mean, I remember the whole story and and, and Deb working on masks and and I think I helped you work, make these masks and you know what I remember was part of it was we had read Impro and there was mask work done in that. Right. And also uh, Richard Hensel did mask work Mm -hmm. and I, we had seen him we saw him do a show mm-hmm, where he so, did yeah. mass work. And there was another guy. He was a clown. He was a professional clown. Unfortunately, I think his name was Ken something. And I worked with a, on a local TV show, Beyond the Magic Door, the Magic Oh, I, did, I worked on that. Did you do that Yeah, too? I worked on that show. I worked and, on that show. And there was a guy. Tiny Tove. He was one of the mm-hmm. puppeteers. There was a guy named Ken and a guy named Rusty. And we watched Ken do something. Mm-hmm. And Ken did some silent stuff. Mm-hmm. With masks, and I think Deb went, "Oh, this would be cool. I mean, this is kind of cool, and a cool well, aspect of theater." We used um, what's your name song, um, uh, Cindy Lauper. Cindy Lauper yes. song. And yes. she was just happening back yes. then too. That's right. And it was really this is exciting. dating ourselves. I know. <laughs> no, that's I know. But, well, that was fun. It was eighty-two, eighty-three. It was interesting to me mm-hmm. is that I had just finished performing in prisons across the United States, mm. doing non-comedic improvisation mask work in wow. prisons, and that was my introduction to, to well, How improv. did that come about? Like, uh, did somebody enlist you, or is that something you I came approached? back f- to, I came back from NIU to Chicago, mm-hmm. and that's when theater was booming. It was just booming in Chicago, and I came back, and I auditioned for a play. I think it was Dennis Zaychek. I auditioned for Dennis mm-hmm. Zaychek, and it was an awful audition. I just had a very bad audition. And this guy, John Bergman from the University of Iowa, who was putting this Geese Theater Company, who was part of this Geese Theater Company, mm-hmm. he 
said, Dennis, do you know anybody who can do physical work? And Dennis gave my name and I auditioned for the company at an old Sears building on Ashland. <laughs> and then the next thing I know, I'm in a 53-foot 1963 International Harvesters uh, school bus. My first gig was Joliet Correctional Center. And it was all mask work. That's great. Wow. wow. That's it was awesome. crazy. I mean, it, was those yeah. were, it was heady times, though. Yeah. Well, that, that kind of goes to, to the original, well, you know, like David Shepard taking, I mean, we, we studied with David Shepard doing scenario plays, and his whole thing was like, you need to take this work to the work, during people during lunch can, can do, well, on the David, docks, can do theater, which yeah. is like. Well, you said you spoke with uh, Ann Mira. And she goes uh, yeah, I at one time, and she you. goes, we wanted to go and make money, and David wanted to do plays for people down in the stockyards during lunch. <laughs> and I guess they did, and then these guys, hey, this is our lunch, get out of here. Yeah. But, uh, but I think it's the idea of creating community through that kind of work, it's the I, whole thing. I yeah. gotta tell you, just walking into this room and having you and, uh, you and Dan and Bernadette and Jane and Jeff and Dean Hagland in this room and walking in this room because I had no idea what I was going to see and I was mm -hmm. like, this is my community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So part of the part of the reason we did this also was because of community because mm -hmm. we write we like to write but it's a lonely kind of solitary thing and we're improvisers and we seek community we mm -hmm. seek that interaction of other people. I agree. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the main things that I've been teaching lately is I need in a scene, I need you to tell me who I am. I can't be myself. Mm -hmm. I don't know who I am if you don't tell me who I yeah. am. And that is, that's at You're the root. By mm -hmm. the right, exactly. Mm -hmm. Right, and I think that so many people don't understand that or don't mm -hmm. appreciate it, mm -hmm. and it looks to me like they're working too hard. Yeah. Yeah, that's something even we find that we have to keep reminding ourselves. It's like, you, if you just let it emerge, we're doing right. these things called emerging scenes where it's just adding information or, or really staying in the moment with the other player, there's yeah. n there's no, no work to do. It should be effortless. There's no work to do. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't, I, and you know what work mm -hmm. feels like. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, you're struggling up there, and it's like, there sh you shouldn't struggle. No. It should be just. So the question then is like, how do you do it without the struggle? And, and I always think, there's that great phrase, which I've mentioned so many times, which is the only source of suffering is non-acceptance. So the idea of you don't accept something, you're going to struggle with it. Mm -hmm. But we get to, it's just, it, it's so, what we do is so fluid. And it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. No, it's great. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it is. It's like if the judgment gets in the way, then you're, you're, if you're judging a moment or you're judging, even today, I, 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 uh, we were doing a scene and basically somebody made me the architect of this house. And then I, my mind went, well, that doesn't make sense because I, I, I was, thought I was just, a, and, and then it went by and then somebody pointed out, they said, somebody made you the architect. And, and so I said, ah, I should have fully accepted, you know, what he said I was, was the architect of this house. Because that could have opened up a whole, mm -hmm. a whole avenue. They said we missed a whole avenue of something about because it, they already described the type of house. It was a badly made house. It was skewed, so it would have said something about me. And, right. You know. Right. And so I, I missed the opportunity, and, and all I had to do was accept it instead of judging judging the offer. It's that thing where you go, uh, uh, reality is stranger than anything that you can make up, mm -hmm. and the yeah. idea that why couldn't you be that 
because how many people do we know? I, I don't know. I wasn't there for the for the scenario, but uh, for for the unfolding of it. But how many people do we know where you, they tell you that there's something and you go, y you? Yeah. Wait, you? Yeah, yeah. I remember when John Favreau started doing. You know, when John, who I knew from Chicago, mm -hmm. suddenly is doing swingers. You go, John Favreau? Not that he couldn't, mm -hmm. but I was like, wait, he couldn't get into Second City, and now he's mm -hmm. got like this independent movie that is just burning up the box office. Yeah. And not to say that he couldn't do it, but just mm -hmm. to go, in my mind, I thought, that doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. But right. I'm, I'm not the arbiter of that. No, that's a, that's a good thing to remember. Um, when the kind of work we do is like, forget about, you know, the, it, just the accept it, just accept it. And you know, what's interesting is talking about going down memory lane, you know, we had, here, he came out from Chicago to do a workshop with Mike Gelman. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. he t talked about, I think he talked about, well, Dell, close. And he mm -hmm. said, Dell's close, said, jump into the pit and then worry about, you know, what you, what's going to happen, how to get out of it later. <laughs> Just get out, you know. Right. Don't worry about it. Yeah, matter of fact, get into the pit. Right. Know, but I think, uh, I think uh, Hunter Thompson said, jump out of the airplane and uh, you grow wings on your way down, yeah, mm -hmm. you know, or something like that. Mm -hmm. Where it's like it forces you to become an innovator. I, it's, the interesting thing is, uh, it, it, it does force you to become innovative, and it just says this too that uh, Reverend I've mentioned this on the podcast before. Reverend Michael Bernard Beckwith said, um, "We're born knowing everything, but it's just released mm -hmm. on a need-to-know basis because there's never been a situation where you've been and you go, and I had no idea what to do." and then I disappeared. It's like, you always know what to do. Right, mm -hmm. right. And that's one of the great things about improvisation. Yeah. Well, the other person always, like you said, the other person and the where will always define you. You're, you're, not, you're always being held up there, and you're never alone. You're always being yeah. held. Because you know, it's, that's like improvisation for the theater, is that, the, that's why she did, Viola did all these, the object work, because it's that, that thing will define your character. Right. And make the connection between the other characters. And it's also another way of you communicating with somebody. Because mm -hmm. if I'm ironing at a certain tempo, that says one thing, and if I'm right. ironing at a different tempo, that says another thing. Yeah. Right. And those are the things where you go, okay, fine, that my partner is ironing quickly. Am I going to say, you sure are ironing quickly, or are you gonna say, ma, you gotta calm down? Exactly, yeah. yeah. That's the other thing we found is like getting to relationship is yeah, not talking about the activity you're doing because the audience sees it. It's there, there, there are ten steps ahead of you, ready. Yeah. I saw a play the other day and I really, really loved it. Um, and there was a, a it was a seven scenes, three scenes in the first act and four scenes in the second act, and all the scenes were cruising along. They were really cruising along. This play had won a Pulitzer Prize, and we hit this one play and it's two actors on stage, talking about the past and not being emotionally involved in what they were talking about. And you just felt the entire piece slow down and you go, why would the direct, why would the playwright let that happen? Because mm. it seems anybody that's ever written anything knows that, I mean, not, it's, what a Pulitzer. Like mm -hmm. anybody that's ever written anything, you know that you're going to need to have emotional content, not just uh, exposition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, even if they're talking about the past, there's got to be something going on mm -hmm. while they're doing it. Right. You know. Right. Uh, there has to be something going on. 
that one of them is going to kill the other one or some, you know, whatever it is. It, it nice. has to be something going on the stage. Well, when we do this like um, improv writing workshop, David Shepard would say, when you, um, you know, list your your scenes basically, you know, the boy meets the girl. List whatever scenes you, you in your scenario of your story. In between are the games that you're going to have the actors play, and that's what's missing in the scenes that are just talking. So if you at least had a game, for instance, Viola, is, it, is Viola's game, uh, not speak to talk, what is that? Oh, touch, touch to talk? Speak. Touch to speak, yeah. it is a Viola yeah. game. Speak. Right. Like right. That, that could color it, or stage whisper, or any, any game would be, right. would give you something to play versus just talking. Do you guys, and, and I, I kind of feel this way, and we're, we, all, we all kind of grew up at the same time, mm -hmm. uh, improvisatorily, if that's a word. Um, I feel like, uh, the toothpaste is already out of the tube, and I don't want to be the guy that's standing saying, hey, get off my lawn. But there's something, the training that I felt that we got um, is different than the training that's being taught right now. And I feel like the training that I got was with Jeff Machalski, there was an acting training. There was, with Dell, there was an acting training. With Bernie, there was, Bernie Solins, there was an acting training. There was theater that was involved. And now they're, the people that are teaching improvisation are improvisers teaching improvisation. So there's a level that's missing. And again, I, I'm not making a judgment call on it. I'm right. just saying it's interesting that now we're seeing people who aren't engaged in anything physical. Well, that's interesting because I don't really know the, the students or have seen the, the classes, like current, like the younger people doing improv, though I have, you know, I'm sure it's, it's done, it's a watered down maybe version. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting is that there's still a direct connection, I feel, like I was, you know, we, we were taught by Paul Sills, Dan Paul Sills and um, David Shepard yeah. and Del Close. So there's that generation which created this movement. You know, and so there's still the the, the lineage. And Viola Spolin, we you know we know we know her daughter, and we've taken workshops. So we're trying to keep that still alive, but it 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 is getting smaller. We were little group. kind of the last wave that had contact with the original, right? The people who were originally there, and. Uh, uh, I, so I don't know what's going on in, like, for instance, the Second City or. I, to be perfectly, I mean, I've seen some improv, but, uh, but not much. Uh, I, uh, but I don't go to like, you know, see regular improv shows. I'm more interested in using it to create theater, to create. Like improvisation for theater, know, right. I know it's booked. At, right. this, at this juncture. Right. Um, like a long form, and also and, to create um, written works. And to create yeah. work. Create because we've work. seen so much, you know, you have it's too, so much stand-up. We've all done, not stand-up, um, sketch improv comedy, right, sketch, right. sketch improv. We've all done good and bad <laughs> sketch yeah. improv. And it, it feels like you hit a dead end and it's the, uh, more of the same. So what can we do with this form? What, what it was originally intended for it was, you know, they did um, the Original, Compass Players. Well, the Compass you know, Players came out, out of the that. fact that they were doing the scenarios. Right. Well, they were first. They were the playwrights' theater, right? Right. And they were doing, but they couldn't. With David Shepard. With David yes. Shepard, mm -hmm. and Paul Sills was the director, right? And they, and they couldn't find enough material that they felt was germane to the period at that time, the fifties, and so Shepard saw what David, what Sills was doing with his mother's work in rehearsals. That, why work. we use that to come up with material. So we came with the yeah. idea of doing scenarios and marrying the games together. And then they created long, you know, pl 
platelets, you know, or like you know, one ounce, minutes or basically, yeah. right? One minute, and then it, but then eventually people would would bring back little scenes from there, and then it became then it became a cabaret show. Right. But it was always still uh, rooted in theater. It was mm -hmm. but it was in a kind of a uh, proletariat theater, I guess. Well, it was, it, was the, it was the voice of the people that, yeah. of that time. Yeah. And to have the voice of the people at that time speaking in the voice of that time, issues of that time. And I understand, uh, for me, I, I, what you're saying, Deb, is I, I find to be really, really true. And that is, um, you reach a point where you go, is that all there is to a fire? Is that all yeah. there is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where you go, shouldn't there be a little, shouldn't there be something more to it? Because yes. I feel like um, that's what happened with me, just in terms of teaching. Um, I'm trying to ranking that up. I think just in terms of teaching, mm -hmm. I felt like I want to have, I want this to go deeper because I can't watch the same thing over and over I and over. Agree. Yeah, I mean, we, that's what when we started doing this work with, it kind of just, it kind of dawned on us like we should either improvise together or get a small group of really seasoned performers who do the work and not not do it for laughs always. Right. And that that could further it. Like, where can we push this and where can we go with it? Right. That was kind of our impetus to start doing it again this way. And the idea of working with people that speak the same language of you, mm -hmm. the, the language of um, uh, the, the, know your creative process. Mm -hmm. uh, I always feel like that that's just a shorthand that we have, that I know you know, I know you know, I know you know what we're doing right now. Mm -hmm. and. Then we're going, there's kind of like a secret code that we have on stage where it's like, I'm gonna move over here and I know you're gonna see me move over here. And when that happens, like the audience, it's magic mm -hmm. because it is sleight of hand. Yeah. It's it distraction. Is. Yeah, it and is magic, yeah. It is exactly. magic, yeah. And they're in, they're, the audience is another player because they're witnessing it. They're seeing things, they're filling in the, the, the silences there. I think that yeah. that whole thing about filling in the silences is mm -hmm. something that a lot of people a lot of actors, younger actors, or people that are, that are older that don't trust themselves have to realize is, the, when I'm sitting in the audience, please don't answer all the questions. I just don't want those, I, I need to fill those answers out. Mm -hmm. You know, this is not the first episode of a shitty sitcom where you explain everything that's going on. Right. This is really about where we're connecting here and the audience is that other player in it. I know even like when we we're, even when we're doing our exercises just not not for performance we're like no speaking for 30, 30 seconds 60 seconds and just be there and side coaching heighten that feeling see that emotion go to the where but that's riveting and then you're grounded in the space and you can just go if you see two people who are emotionally connecting with each other and and looking and responding even in silence audiences are going, that's what we talked about in here too, it's like the audiences are going to fill that in. They're going to write the show for you. Right, mm -hmm. right, right. I love that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because what I've been, I worked with a couple yesterday uh, and a major part of what it was that they were doing is just like, just sit and look at each other and then when something happens, call the other person out. It's yeah. the, what you read on the subway in New York. You see mm -hmm. something, say something. And at the moment that you see it, but it is that patience that I don't that I don't know that. So it is that patience that is such a big tool of what we do. Mm -hmm. But it's a tool of being alive, and to know that you're going to get the information that you're going to need when you get the information that you're going to need. So the moments that you're spending going, oh my God, am I doing the right thing? Or you know all that stuff that is so prevalent in what it is that we do. I mean, if you could have told yourself, this is such one of those Oprah questions. Um, 
for me, what I want to do is I want to stop people coming up in the airplane going, hi, you're going to be an actor here. I want to talk to you about a bunch of things. One is whatever you think it is that's going to happen is not going to happen. You know, the other thing is what, you, what is going to happen is going to be beyond your wildest dreams. Um, that's one of the things that I would say. But what would you say to like, a younger you that you obviously couldn't say, mm -hmm. but what would that be? Uh, probably, like I say, what you're doing now is actually what you should be doing. That's your, this is your life, life. Mm -hmm. And this is what will, I would say, a, I don't wanna say make you happy, but will fulfill you. Uh, because, and you know, we, like you said, being the old man on the lawn, saying, say, get off my lawn and critter, these kids nowadays, <laughs> I don't wanna be, because I was one of those guys that was ambitious and I wanted to, it still was that, even though we, I studied with Paul Sills and and Viola's games, and I learned that, as a matter of fact, at NIU, as a matter of fact, I right. learned to, and, um, and uh, but I was ambitious, and I wanted to do comedy, and I wanted to get on Saturday Night Live, and so forth, and so on. But as, um, as things progressed, I found, always found out there was, and I did stuff, but coming back to this work was, had a, a greater life and had a greater delight and it wasn't always about getting the you know set up in the lab and getting you know and and being I don't want to say I guess you could say marketable marketable commercial or whatever it is that th this has a deeper uh, uh, meaning and a, a, it's it's better for the good for the soul good for the mind all that kind of stuff yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I, I mean, I think what I would just say is um, you are where you are to myself. And that, that going for that next carrot or the next job or trying to, it's actually getting in the way of you doing the work that you need to be doing now. And then that's why, yeah, coming back to this, it is, it's more delightful, it's, it's deeper, and it's, I, I kind of almost think, you know, the, the years when we didn't do as much improv, um, though we always kind of had our hand in it with the Second City Alumni Jam and Unpeer. everything. But right. that was frustrating sometimes too it because was. no one was listening or whatever. It just gets, but, but, but to, you know, write your picture shows, screenplays, I mean, you're doing what you're doing, but I, I feel like just sticking with the, the work is like the, the best thing. Right. And it actually is the work that we do when we write. Because when you write, well, you know, it's from writing a script, you're like, if I was in this moment, what would I say? Not what would this clever next thing be? Because it's going to come out. It's going to be in character. And you can always write jokes that are a dime a dozen. You can always make it funny. But what will the characters be saying in that moment? That's, and what's the subtext? So you don't have to like, learn it all out. It's so interesting because really what you're saying is just be where it is that you are, but in terms of writing as well, mm -hmm. the yeah. idea of that character is at that point, at that moment, mm -hmm. and that character is not heading toward that laugh. And you know what it's like when you're watching somebody or watching a show or watching a movie, whatever it's going to be, and you're going, he's, he's hitting the laughs, he's hitting the laughs. And you see it coming. You see what's going to happen. And to, be, to, to, go, to go like, we took writing classes with Danny Simon, Neil mm -hmm. Simon's brother, right. a great writer also. But he also would say, take the left turn, that no one under, no one would, would imagine you're going with that joke. Yeah. Well, it goes back to the architect. Mm -hmm. No one would see that architect, you know, whatever that was. Again, I wasn't there. Yeah. But going, that choice right there where you're going, oh, I, I fucking didn't yeah. see yeah. that coming. Yeah. I, like, I, I should have been that architect and it would have been, 
Yeah, it was interesting. It's like he's the guy that created this crazy house. You know, it's interesting because when we when we do this work in our in our just writing workshop, we will side coach each other really rigorously. You, so, so what you're saying yeah. is because I don't know, I, I I know what side coaching is, but I don't know what side coaching each other to is. Each like, would everybody? Have Not everyone. We kind of okay. well, uh, maybe a couple of people. When now we're a little more open, and we usually would have one person side coach, but. Um, just because the it's like what the audience would see in performance. If you see, we call it an offer, but if you see a piece of information come out and people have just gone by it, and it's an interesting piece of information. Now you probably can't go to every piece, but you're like, wait, Dan, this guy just said you're the you designed the house. You just you just ignore that. Yeah. Then accept it and then see where it goes. So we're kind of stopping and starting our work right. in workshop. In performance, it's harder to do, but we do side coach. But yeah. you're, I think what you're saying Pretty rigorously. there is also to, to look at the offers, at, to look at everything as a possible yes. offer. Yes. And so at that moment, you're becoming more and more present, present. Agree, and mindful yeah. and aware mm -hmm. and getting out of the way of saying, out of your oh, head. Yeah. it's also like saying, oh, I know where this scene is going. Because if you say, I know where the scene is going, you've just stopped listening right. to the scene. Mm -hmm. And then you've just started, it, it's, I call it, you, you, we have to teach people to improvise like crows, not like trains. Because mm -hmm. trains go to a depot that's already preset, mm -hmm. but a crow's gonna go wherever the shiny object is gonna lead you. Mm -hmm. And for those of us, I, I mean, there's certain people that, that I watch that I go, how does your mind work? Because suddenly, you got to that place. I didn't see that. And that's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. That's the work that I want to do. Yeah. It's it, got to be surprising. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, we're also inspired by uh, uh, TJ and Dave. Dave, you yeah. know. And I remember seeing, we went to see him at I.O. And I don't remember the gal's name, but she was a Second City performer. And she, guessed, she went in because TJ wasn't there. So after the show, we talked to Dave. And then I spoke with her and I said, um, and she did a fantastic job. And I just said, what did Dave tell you? And he said, she said two things, relax. And he says, and the most, other, the other thing was, and if you feel like telling a story, don't. <laughs> Very like, hard to do. Holy mackerel. That's it. <laughs> he boiled it down. But yeah. that's you so know. true of also somebody where you're sitting having a conversation with someone and then you find yourself like, why did you just space out? Because they're telling me this story. That play that I saw. Right. Because essentially they started telling me a story. Yeah. What was the first one? Oh, relax. 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 Yeah. Relax, relax which right. basically is like, be, could be interpreted as being present. And as you mm -hmm. said, being aware of what people are saying, what's going on, and what's, what you hear, what you feel, all that, you know. That's relax. why the spacewalk is so important. Because it's there. Think, yeah, just to be in your body, in the space. God, I haven't thought about the spacewalk in a long time. I'm, yeah. I'm doing something different than that, and that's essentially, are you familiar with the viewpoints? I uh, know. The viewpoints are, it's, I'm not going to get into it <laughs> other than to say, um, it, it, it's the relationship that you have with people on stage. Uh, one of them is it's called spatial relationship, and you walk through the stage, and you're aware. Of oh yeah, well that Viola going. does that, right? Is right. that kind of um, see your player in the see, space, uh, see the space between your players? Exactly, yeah. but yeah. It's, it's totally aware of it. And once you define it, it exists. So we're all sort of equidistant here. But if I moved in, mm -hmm. you're compelled to move back. Mm -hmm. So it's that feeling of the stage is telling you. Mm -hmm. The stage is the platform upon which you tell your story, but the stage is also part of the character. It's the character as well, because form follows function, and you know, for like in a space like this, 
to come into a small space. It's 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 relatively small. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a nice size stage, but you know how many seats is it? It's like 50. 40, 50. Yeah, yeah. 40, 50. But at this moment, you go, okay, I'm going to create scenes that are going to live on the stage. And because you're creating scenes that are living on the stage, we're, we have, we've got a, an inherent governor in that of what we can and cannot do. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah. And so we can't run. We can run, but it would be a different kind of running. Yeah. So it's just it's being aware of everything you're doing and not worrying about where the hell it's going to go. Right. No, it's hard. It is. <laughs> it's wonderful. Though. And this was, yeah, it was like, uh, uh, it's all there it's for all you. Surprising. You'd, and and also, what Gelman said when he came and worked worked with us. He says, and people in life, they're not working out the story. <laughs> they're just trying to go one step at a time. Right. And he says, if if you're there, wherever the location has been, been, or even if you don't know, if there's somebody across from you. You know that, and you and you, and they're telling you something, and you've got to respond to that. Right. He was the one that taught me so much about mm -hmm. what do you want to say right now and say it. Just say it. Yes. What do you want to do right now? I look at Michael Gellman, and I feel like he's, for me, I talk him up, but I think there's a lot of people that don't know who he is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But he is such a. Well, he wrote this book, Pro Process. Yeah. Which is wonderful. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Good. Oh, and to, he taught me so much. And I use so much of what he taught me, and in my life too. And he's on a fucking journey. I mean, he really mm -hmm. is on a just yeah. tremendous journey. And to watch where he was when we all were, you know, kids, yeah. and to see where he is right now. Mm -hmm. Oh, I know. Yeah, he's been. It's it's been something. He's it's been his life's work. He's a mad scientist yeah. in his lab, and he's he would kind of use us for you know. He even said, "This is a lab. I'm experimenting with you." <laughs> You know, uh, well, the, the reason that, you know, the three of us, not the first play that we did, which I can't remember how we got to that, the play at the Metro. I don't know how that happened. Mm -hmm. But the second one that we did at the Organic Theater, The Seed Show. Right. He directed, um, yeah. He directed that. And that was, talk about a process. I mean, that was you guys. Mm -hmm. Um, it was Rickley, no, it was Michael. Oh, this is Michael the second Miner, one. Oh, the Miner, second group, yeah. And second it was a, a woman that was a poet, but Michael Miner was a writer at the Reader, mm. and uh, and a woman that was a poet, and I can't remember what that was, but there were three plays. There were three yeah. plays mm -hmm. uh, that were you, we we met with you guys, you told us what you wanted, we improvised, you came back. You said you first draft, you came back. Second draft, you came back. I think there was three drafts. Yeah. And then we opened that show, mm -hmm. and it took about a year, didn't it? It seemed like it. I don't think it took a year, but it was a several months. It was yeah. So was it was longer than. I would say two or three months. Yeah. That's all. I think so. Maybe it was longer. Maybe it was improvised, and then there was a space in between, and then we brought this, this it back. But I do know that yeah, we for a while we were improvising that in the Huron Theater. Yes. Uh, at second at uh, mm -hmm. North and Wells. Yeah, the, the, in the Piper's Alley there, and and uh, um, and we <laughs> we just we had the characters, and then we we all signed characters for each one of you guys, and it was in an office environment. Right. And we defined the characters, but we really didn't know. Deb and I had no idea where the story was going to go, other than each character had a de definite. Something they wanted something or definite something they were devoted like your guy was devoted. He loved science fiction and mm -hmm. NASA and stuff like that. And um, but then as we and then we say, well, it'd be interesting to see 
this character and this character on the loading dock, mm -hmm. or this character and this character at the lunchroom, or at two o'clock or something. Mm -hmm. And then we just built it uh, a play. And at that time, we built it, a, it was a one-act play there, and then we actually took it another step out here and turned it into a two-act play. You did? And Jeff yes. Machowski and Jeff actually, actually directed, directed it. it, and he did what one was it called? Job. It was the same name? No, we changed it to Earthers. Earthers. What was it called before? Omnioptics. Uh, a simpler uh, name, yeah. a simpler title. And, which I think it needed to be expanded because I remember Mike kept saying, you got to cut this down, cut this down, cut this down. Uh, Gelman saying that. I mean, yeah. Gelman, yeah. yeah, Mike Gelman. Yeah. And, and uh, it was tough. Because it was ensemble. And then on top of it, you had you guys speed through it because you only had 45 minutes. We really you know, you're like, through that speed thing. through it. So we love the fact that, and why I guess I'm saying this is we. it really does, people sometimes have doubts about using improvisation to use to create material. And we felt like it wasn't a huge hit, but we felt we had a successful uh, play. We had a, a full length play. And Jeff would do, he took it another step, is we would bring in scenes that were written, and then they would read it two or three times, and then they'd throw it down and they would re-improvise it. And then Deb and I would either find that something wasn't needed or, or there was uh, something that they brought into it that go, oh, that's better, you know. It, there's no process uh, in any other uh, medium like what you're, what we're describing right mm -hmm. now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where is the group putting that thing together? Yes. There's nothing like that in anything else, mm -hmm. uh, unless it's uh, it's R and D up in Silicon Valley of some brainstorming and working on projects. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Right. Right. But you know, it's interesting because certain, you, you'll mention this, this process the way we work to a person who writes, who just literally writes mm -hmm. and doesn't have input and they do not like the idea that actors are, are doing this. And then you talk to actors and say, well, we're just going to improvise and they're like, no, I don't want it. I mean, it does take a certain trained, like Gelman said, what we do is a craft. Right. I mean, it's a certain training, but then you, you are able, because you know the craft so well, you're able to be free within that. It's also a matter of getting all the parties involved to say, look, we're doing this together. Yes. Can we trust each other on it? Because ultimately, it's about trust, but it's also about, again, a common language mm -hmm. where when I'm giving you a note, I'm not giving you a note. Mm -hmm. I'm giving us a note. Mm -hmm. And the note is, this is the way that I think this could work not should, yeah. but could. Mm -hmm. And when we start talking in that way, it's not like we have to be precious with everybody's emotion, but we've got to go, this isn't about us. Right. Yes. That's the other thing. There's a, there is a freedom, and there is also, to me, being a writer, like writing for The Simpsons and just writing, you have to be willing, your thing's going to be trashed and you've got to start over. So, you, you're, you know, there's always, you can always rewrite it. There's a million ways to rewrite and that nothing is that precious. So all the input, you can sort out what you're going to keep and not you give keep. it a try. Yeah. yeah, it's not the it, it, see if it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. That if if it's kind of a little bit. I mean, we kind of like orchestrate the a little bit this workshop. But when people go, well, I'd like to do this or I want to do this, or why? We're like, well, let's let's do it. Let's try it, and and then we'll either say. Hmm, I don't know if that'll work. <laughs> and, and, and other people say, I think it could work if this. I said, well, let's do this. You right. know. It's very so collaborative. It is, it, is, it, it is like being in a, a lab, you know, with it, a bunch of scientists and not 
and being open to all kinds of, of variables, you know. Right. And again, not to be precious with anything that you have and mm -hmm. to go, uh, which is so hard because so much of what we do could be uh, seen as you don't like me, which then reinforces my, no, it's not me, but one's perception that I shouldn't be out here or everybody else knows something that mm -hmm. I don't know or everybody else gets the breaks that I don't get. Mm -hmm. And then you're, and then it's self-fulfilling prophecy saying, well, yeah, great, that's great. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the, yeah, the, this, the improv is kind of the, I want to say, it doesn't, yeah, it's, it's democ democratizing kind of. It's, it's just, democratic, and it's, it's more democratic. it's very yes. collaborative, like, I think theater is very collaborative, but there's, there is the author of the play, which can be the, you know, very strict, but here we're, we're pretty fluid with it, I think. Well, it's an interesting. Once it's committed, I mean, once it is on paper, I mean, when you have a production, you probably are set, but maybe you're not still, you never know. Well, one of the things that I realized at Second City was, you know, you, you, you do a show and that's the scene at opening night and then it's, it's cast in kind of a malleable stone. But what you do realize is as you keep doing the show, you think, for me, I, I, this happens so many times, it's just so exciting, where you'll make a turn that you wouldn't make before. The lines are still the same, but now you're getting a laugh where you didn't get a laugh mm -hmm. before just because of your presentness and awareness of where you're walking on stage mm -hmm. or when you enter a scene or where one person is looking while somebody else makes an entrance. Like those things that you realize just because you're, you're in the flow. Yeah. And you know the scene so well. So you, you can actually, so well, yeah. if you know the text so well, there's a certain freedom that you can play with the space. I, I That's do the other remember, thing, yeah. And I remember when we were doing a scene, we opened uh, uh, with it, and that was it. But it always kept bugging me. The out always bugged me until a month later. And I said, let's try this. And we did, and it worked. So you're able to, you know, once, so even then, even at, in the second city, you you can still refine it as as you you go on. Right, 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 right. And how many scenes that, that I do also where I'm thinking I just don't like this scene at all when it first comes out, and as you keep moving through it, it becomes something precious, and you just it's a moment on stage that you get with somebody that you really enjoy spending time with yeah. in front of 320 people mm -hmm. or 240 people, whatever it's going to be. I remember scenes that I would do with Ruthie Rudnick or do with uh, Megan Moore Burns and just like, oh, I got to spend time with those people on stage. It's mm -hmm. just the two of us here on the stage. Yeah. And how lovely that it's is. It's really a gift, yeah. It sure. really, really is a gift. And it goes back to, I trust you mm -hmm. up here. And when we're not trusted, I think that's when, when, we're, when we don't feel trusted or we lack trust ourselves, that's when this work becomes just really hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We were just talking in our in our workshop. Um, Jane was talking about the Jane, idea, Morris. She, Jane Morris about the idea of play, the word play, and that's what this work is. It's play and it's connection. And when you're really at play, you aren't judging and you aren't, you know, you're you're actually just connecting and just having that energy flow between you. And, and she was talking about a, a scientist who I was saying talking about it as an aspect of survival, that that mm -hmm. animals play and stuff because it's a way of them learning to cope with their environment, you know. You know, they created, well, you know how um, um, there's, you know, that group Mob Rule, do you know that? Yeah, group? yeah. The, the old, the seniors, yeah. they do improv games. They're like seniors and they enjoy playing with each other. They're not necessarily great or good, but it's the games, it's what 
Viola, it created community. That's why it was in the beginning for the immigrant children, oh, you know, yeah, that right. whole Neva Boyd early yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Paul Sill said it was it was about it's about community. It's, I think it's even in his I think it may be in, in the introduction to his uh, book uh, Story Theater where mm -hmm. he he you know printed out the, the text and all that for the story and said about Theater is about community. It's about community. It's about people people interacting. So you know, this is what this is for. This is kind of our church. Because <laughs> we on yeah. Sunday we meet and we're like, Sunday. this is our Sunday church. church. This does look like yeah. why not? It does kind of well. You're like in church. It's not, <laughs> much, uh, it's not like that a, big of a leap. No, no, no. This could easily be a church. <laughs> yeah, be converted right. into one of those. Uh, there actually has been. A min Jane Voigt did a. Oh my God, Jane Voigt is a minister. You know Jane Voigt. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She's done. She's a minister, but she did a show here that was actually kind of a little bit, you know, about religion and so forth, but with comedy and so mm -hmm. forth. And we, it was like, wow, you're sitting in a comedy cool. church, you know. I feel that right there, it's the acceptance of it's, it's the acceptance of who you are. We are here. We are all one here. We are, you know, I am not. I, it is a church because you're going, there is a higher power, and I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There is a higher power, but for me, that higher power, when we're talking about what we're talking about, is I see you, and I'm just a cog in this, and you're just a cog in this, and you're just a cog in this, and we get to do this together. And the moment that I step aside and say, who's in charge here, mm -hmm. everything falls apart. Mm -hmm. Just that question, where you go, who's in charge here? Because everybody's going, am I in charge? Well, then you're in your head, right? Not exactly. in your body and right. in the moment. Yeah. Well, I travel around the world, and one of the things that one of the packages that I that I offer as I'm traveling is um, I will play with anybody. You know, I will play with anybody. I will do a two-person, 45-minute show, whatever, whoever it is. And uh, I was in uh, Australia where I heard Dean is moving mm -hmm. to Australia. He's moving That's to Sydney. Right, yeah. I'm going to see him. That's I, great. I, I just realized I'm going to be in in Australia. You'll be there see. at the same time. I'll be there at the same time. Wow. So. Uh, the idea of uh, going to different places like Sydney. There's a guy who lives in Perth, uh, uh, Glen Hall, um, which sounds like a building, but uh, <laughs> uh, Glen Hall lives in Perth. I had never met him. We're going to do a, two, a two person, 45 minute show at an, uh, with a real theater. I mean, like a 400 seat theater. And what we decided to do was not talk to each other or meet each other or get to know each other in any way and just see what that shows. Like. Oh, interesting. Mm. And it was awesome because at the core of it all was this. Mm -hmm. I see you. Mm -hmm. What's happening right now? What's going on? What's mm -hmm. happening? I see you. That's great. So wait, you did two two forty-five minutes. I did the forty-five minute set with More him. Here. That's great. Yeah. Wonderful. I did a forty-five set, minute set with him. I've done forty minutes. It's the same language. Set. Yeah, it's, it's the, same, the language. same language. And and even and when you're when you're when you're really present, that's the problem. The other problem is playing with people, like at a festival or somewhere when everyone's. Trying to be clever or showcase or all that stuff. That's or a little being a little competitive. Or, yeah. yeah. And then you see somebody like mm. TJ and Dave, and you go, they're just being. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're just being up there. And how do we? How does one? I mean, I think that the, the three of us are at that point. But I really want to. I, what I've been teaching lately is just being. Mm -hmm. The foundation of this is just: can we sit and just sit? Mm -hmm. And you're gonna know when something happened, mm -hmm. but you got to know what that tabula rasa is, what that feeling of nothing is, mm -hmm. so that the moment that something comes into your view, you go, oh, "I'm gonna attack that." 
Yeah, it's being receptive. We were that, doing a, an exercise open. where, uh, again, with Mike Elman, and his call, he, he calls it um, uh, point, finding point a point of, of view, but it, a point of concentration, that's it. And you would find an object, and you would look at the object, <laughs> then you would make a discovery. And then the discovery, you would have a reaction to that discovery. So let's say if you find a little uh, snow scene or something in a globe, and then, then you'd find a little detail like, oh, look at that, there's a, there's a, I never noticed that there's a little elf poke, poking around the house, you know. Wow. And, and they had like three or four people on stage. And some, some, what happens is some people would make, they would like indicate mm. to the audience the that you're making a discovery. Right. As opposed to being there and looking and with themselves. And we notice, and he it's goes. It's like allowing notice, the object goes, to affect you. One guy was yeah. doing it, and he goes, "Did you notice who did everybody look of?" And they all said, "Well, I can't remember exactly." They say Bill, and they go, "Yeah," because Bill really was just looking, and making, and having a real reaction to it, mm -hmm. as opposed to trying to show the audience what. God, the idea going of on. trying to show the yeah. audience or trying to do something. Yeah. And we all think we, ha you know, especially when we start out, we all think that's what we have. Do. Right. Well, I've, I've talked about this before on the podcast that when Gelman once said, <laughs> I was in a class with him, and he said, um, well, how are you feeling right now? And I went, well, what, what does that character want right now? And he's like, he wants this. And Michael went, no, he doesn't. I'm like, Gelman, I think I know what the guy wants. He's like, no, you don't want it. No, you don't. That's not what he wants. I'm like, I know what he wants. And Gelman's like, that's not what you want. It's laughing and smoking cigarettes. Like, <laughs> and, yeah. you know, that's not what he wants. <laughs> And uh, I, I stormed off stage, and I was so angry at him. And 20 years later, I'm teaching that same thing, and I asked a student, what is it that you wanted? And he goes, that. And I go, that's not what you want. And I went, oh, fuck. It took me 20 years to get that note. <laughs> but Gelman's yeah. like that. Where, where, and he's, he, in a way, he's a shaman. You know? mm -hmm. Yes, he's like a Zen Well, you know what's interesting right? what he did here? Um, he, he did a little bit of that, that's not what you want. But, then, but he actually, to cut, to cut it to the quick, he said, Tell her you love her. <laughs> like he just said, do it. And then you, if you do it, you're bam in a new direction. Or he would just go, tell her a secret you never told someone before, you know, or your own secret. And there were there were a few things he had that would just break open the scenes, which were kind of wonderful. I love that. Yeah. That, I think a lot of because it's kind of you're kind of like what? Oh my God! I should because was I sleeping? I should have. Because the audience is seeing a, a some well, connection, a little it, love. You see it, it's there. It's he not saw like he's making it, it up. We saw almost yeah. a, a stalkery kind of, in this particular scene, a woman and a guy, but he was kind of like really looking at her, and but wasn't committing to, or didn't even know he had that feeling probably, but we all saw it. So. And uh, Gelman's really good at like, mm -hmm. that's what you're feeling right now. And, and what you said was, that I thought was really interesting. Tell you said, her you love her. You, you, yeah. Yeah. But you said, oh, yeah. you should, I should feel that. Like that's something where it's not, he's not saying anything that doesn't belong. Right. He's not saying a non sequitur. Yes. You stop for a moment, you go, I would, wait a minute, no, that's yeah, what I would say. Yeah, doing that's exactly it. right. That's what I get to do. And, and it's that mm -hmm. matter of going, why are you walking around, why are you driving around the block to get a parking space that is right it's in front there. of where it is that you need to be anyway, but you're not accepting what it is. And so often I think that just in life in general, mm -hmm. we go, this is an opportunity for me. Well, you know what? I don't deserve it yet. Yeah. It's happening too quickly. Or this is for somebody else. Or how dare I assume that? Or it's better I over there. Like that oh, one's that, better. Yeah, yeah. That, this is better. But that's yeah. that's to me on stage with improv. That's a big mistake we've all made. I've made for sure. But is that's not as interesting of a conversation. This one, if I come up over here or go over here, no, everything, whatever's how mundane Whatever's it is, there, it's interesting. That's it. 
It's yeah. so int because it's a difference between accepting what's there and adding cleverness mm -hmm. to it. Yeah. Because the moment you add cleverness to it, this is what I think, like your ego comes in, then you get to go, what's clever? What's the most clever? And then you're starting to weigh stuff out. What's clever? What's the most clever? What's been done? What's never been done? What do I enjoy doing? And, and the you're moment not. you do that, you're gone. Oh, definitely. And another thing, another thing I was just saying when you were talking about being very present on stage, because we took um, improv with Hamilton Camp, who was wonderful. Oh. He you would know, make I mean, us. I'm sorry. Go ahead. This is the third time he's come up in, ah, in, in podcasts. This is the third Such time a great he's teacher. come up in podcasts. Great I mean, player and a great teacher. Alan Meyerson brought him up, and I forgot who else brought him up. But uh, yeah, oh, he's Rob great. Riley, I think. Yeah, I mean, we definitely we took classes with him, and then we played Spolin games with him and, yeah. and his troupe that he had together. But he would literally make us open a door, do that viola game, which is stop and start an action. Yes. And we had to open the door. So it was basically put your hand on the knob. That's one, hands on the knob, two, turn it and like, but, but really feel it. So we were, we were literally breaking down every movement because- But it was a real door. It was a pretend door. Pretend it, was, it was space uh, door. Space uh -huh. door. Uh -huh. And so, because so often, and also we took with- um, Dick Shaw. Dick Shaw, who was oh. amazing. And he would be, and he was in a wheelchair then, but he was teaching a workshop. And he would would make every little button, if you unbuttoned your shirt, button like very specific, not like this slapdash. And everything is fascinating and important. Yeah. And says, it defines character by the fact that you're doing If you're in that. a scene, you're putting on a coat. He says, put on that coat. Put on, make, what else is there? And that's fascinating. Because yeah. it's, like, it, it's in the little spaces that you notice things, but it's also when you're putting on a coat, you're like right now I'm just I'm miming putting yeah. on a coat. And the moment that I'm miming putting on a coat, like right now it feels like it's a certain fabric. Yes. And right now it feels that it's a certain length. And right now it feels that it's a certain color. And right now it feels that it's a certain season. And you get exactly. a certain feeling putting it on. <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, I look great or, or this is oh, constricting. It's or it's old. Right, yeah. you know. right, right, know. right. But Dick Shaw was known for that sort yeah. of stuff. Oh, yeah. He? You know, that, that to be great in that physical really, performer. Yeah, and the idea of there's nothing small and it's and it's not unimportant what you're doing because it's like it's like this important or funny. He's not getting to something better. That's that's as good as yeah, it gets it. right there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's as good as it, to accept oh that. God. That's what it is. Is there have been so many times where uh, uh, this is an important thing too is the idea of when you do something great on stage can you take a moment for you to say to you you did something great on stage can you do that I mean I, I can do that uh, and I and I encourage my students to do that and say we don't there's no video of this you don't get an award no one's gonna see this again so the moment that you do something good you don't have to go oh, something great but let that thing warm your heart and go I nailed it I nailed it I nailed it and, not and the joy of you nailing it, the audience sees, and they love that. I mean, they love that kind of like, you're you're so present. It's kind of a, a sparkle or something, some some light that the audience really can see, or can see between the people. I think. Too. Well, watching somebody who's up there having a great time, you know, if you're watching Joe List do something on stage, <laughs> mm -hmm. and you go, oh my God, are you kidding me? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can relax when you watch Joe up there because you know there's never going to be uncomfortable. I mean, only uncomfortable in the fact that it'll be funny, uncomfortable, but you're not uncomfortable with the fact that there's an actor up there who doesn't know what he's doing. Right. You know, or floundering. It's like there is no doubt this guy's going to never, ever stop finding things 
that are funny. That's, uh, I just did a show with him yeah. in San Francisco, and uh, Rachel Hamilton and I did a show, it was a three-hander, and just to sit on stage and watch Rachel and Joe, it's like, I, I won. I won. <laughs> won the lottery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know, I feel like when we, when we meet with our group, I'm like, this is, it's just such a joy to be with everybody. Well, so I think the only mistake you make in, in improv is casting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Where you go, oh, okay. The regular group, here. yeah. But you know what it's like when you're doing a show. I remember a Second City show where there was a show that we did and we had to fire somebody. And an ETC show, and we had to fire somebody, and it was a really uncomfortable experience. Mm -hmm. And you know, this person went on to do some great things, which is awesome because he was doing great things then. But you go every time I'm on stage with you, I go I, I'm, every time I'm on stage with you, I'm thinking I need to go through this scene in a certain way in order to connect with you in a certain mm -hmm. way. And that is more thinking. That's thinking. I don't want to do any thinking. I'm not here to think. And I look at the crew that was here mm -mm. that I walked in to, and n no one's thinking. No, exactly. No one's thinking. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> We're not thinking. Yeah. No, no. And and the idea of not of not thinking of moving forward of of letting just this moment be what this moment is. Mm -hmm. It's great. Yeah, and everyone's so generous. I mean, everyone's generous because we know we're all working on each other's projects. So whatever I bring to your project, you'll bring to mine, and. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a nice, uh, that's sort of the a lot uh, of trust. pact we made. Yeah. This is like, this is, you, if you bring something in, it's yours. Whatever we come up with, that's yours. Because we are going to then, because uh, I know you will give something back to me, you know. So there's no, you know, preciousness of, in terms of ownership of material. Mm -hmm. Is that is the, the definition of zero-sum game? Is that what that is? I don't that know. I don't know. I don't, I've never heard because you know that. The, because the hardest part, I mean, it's when we improvise these scenes. Let's say I have two characters, and I know the scene should be this, and but I need some help, so you guys improvise it. Ultimately, you have to go home and put all these scenes together and make and a, you have to a shape piece, it. and that's the hard work. Yeah. Is the writing? We I, to understand. me, that's the hard okay. work. Mm -hmm. Improv is the not hard work, but the the writing and really you, shaping do, it. So what do you? So how do you? Without getting too involved, how do you take these pieces? Like just in terms of phys physical piece, do you? Well, we we audio tape it, so okay. then you transcribe it, uh -huh. or I will, or or sometimes I just listen. Like, if I see the scene and I let's say the play is pretty much written, but I needed help with one scene, I I would just kind of go through and go, oh, this was the nugget that might help me right. make the turn. And sometimes it's just an experiment. Like, why isn't this scene working? Maybe let's see. It almost is a um, a brainstorming, a way to brainstorm new ideas mm -hmm. that maybe I haven't thought of. Or if it's if you are just in the formative stages, it would be transcribing it, and then you have a scene, and then maybe transcribing the next scene, next scene, and trying to piece them together. Right. And right. See, see what threads you can you know weave through. What are you guys doing and now? What do you, when I saw you, you were in Chicago. We actually, yeah, we're actually um, we've written quite a few plays. Actually, when well, we were in Chicago, we had a reading of two of the plays that came out of this workshop um, at the Red Orchid. They did it couple readings of that. Which we're not sure if they're going to do, yeah. but they, uh, they are but reading they, them, so that's know, good. They, they're reading them. But we did write a musical that um, went really well. We had a workshop at the American Blues Theater in, in Chicago, Chicago uh -huh. yeah. at, called Empire Burlesque. And oh, yeah, musicals yeah, yeah. take forever to work on, but um, we're going to workshop it again this summer, and 
they they probably are going to do it in a couple of years, but it takes time. Oh, the, yeah. Again, the the crew in Chicago, the actors in Chicago, that that. Uh, they're willing to do the work and do readings, and it's a theater what, town. Right, like that's the what thing. they're there for. L.A. is not. Yeah. And L.A. is not because a lot of people are. You know, everybody's here to, to move on to something right. else. There yeah. are some good theaters and smaller theaters, but it's it's tougher here. It's, it's tougher to get tougher audience to find too. It's tougher to get audiences yeah. right. to come out and see stuff. Right. Right. So we love going back to Chicago and. Always the great, great stuff that goes on here at the Fanatic Salon. Yeah. Little plug. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, imagine my surprise when I was listening back to this recording, our interview with Deb Lacosta and Dan Castellaneta, and that's where the recording ended. Well, like a good improv scene, things start in the middle and things end in the middle. I want to thank Deb Lacosta and Dan Castellaneta for giving me some of their time. It was a great interview. Uh, I want to thank uh, Laura Parker, my co-producer. I want to thank my dear friend Al Rose for his song, I Feel Like a Million Dollars, from his album, Sad Go Lucky. I want to thank Ian Foley, our producer emeritus. And I want to thank you, our listeners. If you like what uh, we do over here, please give us a positive note on iTunes, won't you? If you're interested in having me at your theater, your improv school, your corporate event, if you just have a bit of information that you like or want to say, hey, Dave, nice tone, please drop me a line at dave at addcomedy.com. Thank you, folks, and uh, we'll hear you in our ears. <laughs>